It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Uh, I tell you what, Rich, um, has anyone not noticed before that the election for the United States of America for the presidency is just a just a short time away now, isn't it? Man alive. My goodness, the election of my lifetime. There's yeah. so much at stake. Yeah, that's the point. It's serious. Here's the thing, folks. It's not exciting. It's serious. It really is. I'm an old, old man, and, uh, and I've never seen uh, anything as serious as this moment in America. So uh, as Bible-believing Christians, let's get this program started with this song, here it is. There is a light that shines so bright The morning star in the darkest night Jesus, He is the light There is a river that runs deep This river runs inside of me Jesus, He flows endlessly The shepherd of the sheep He's bread when I need to eat He's the flowers in the spring He's a song I can sing Jesus is everything He's the rock on which I stand He's the door to the promised land Jesus, He's my greatest friend He is creator of all things He's my Savior, Lord and King Jesus, He is everything He's the shepherd of the sheep Bread when I need to eat He's the flowers in the spring He's a song I can sing Jesus is everything Jesus is everything Jesus is everything Before we get started with the feature on today's program, I would like everyone to think with me, and if you have a dollar in your pocket or a coin, a penny, whatever it may be, why, why get it out and look at it. Do you know what it says on that? In God we trust. Do you know that's our coinage? That's our money. How did that get on there? I'll tell you, folks, it was a time when it was very different than it is today a time when it was very different than it is today, and yet, and yet we're the same people. We're the same United States of America, but my, how we have departed. My, how we've walked away. Uh, Rich, there was something that took place in the nation's capital last week. We advertised it heavily on Bot Radio Network. Most of the media never mentioned it, and during that time, 
last weekend. It was it totally ignored. Uh, tell the folks a little about it. Uh, it was so powerful, Dad. Uh, actually, two things were taking place at the same time in the uh, nation's capital. First of all, there was the return with Jonathan Kahn and a whole host of powerful preachers of the Word of God urging and calling the Christians of America to come back and return to God, calling well, America ten, to return. The point is there were tens upon tens upon tens of thousands of people. Thousands upon that, thousands, exactly. Went to the nation's capital, and the media ignored it. A week ago, Saturday, September 26th. And the other one that was going on At the same time, back. Franklin Graham was hosting a prayer march with thousands and thousands more people praying through the streets of our nation's capital. And the media ignored it. Right. See? Well, for the most part, that's true. And nobody built any build, but, nobody burned any buildings, nobody knocked anyone down, nobody looted or broke windows or anything like that. But they weren't doing it for the media, they were doing it before God. Well, and this is what gives point. me hope for America. I, I want this program to um, let the people hear um, the message by Jonathan Kahn. Jonathan Kahn, who wrote the book, The Harbinger, very famous book, is a Messianic Christian pastor. I want the folks to hear what he said right now. Here it is. Two and a half thousand years ago, the prophet Jeremiah stood outside the walls of Jerusalem by the Valley of Hinnom, in his hand was a potter's jar, like this one, a prophetic symbol of the nation to which he was about to give an ominous warning. The nation Israel had, as an earthen vessel, been formed by the will of God, by its creator, molded for his purposes. But it turned away from the purposes for which it was created and now was on the verge of destruction. 400 years ago, Another civilization was begun, formed and molded for the purposes of the Creator. 400 years ago today, a merchant ship navigated the waves of the Atlantic to make its way to the New World. The ship was called the Mayflower. In November of that year, it landed on the shores of Cape Cod, and its passengers sealed a covenant called the Mayflower Compact. The covenant was embedded in the foundation of this new civilization that would be called America. And in that covenant, the purpose of this new civilization was declared. It was for the glory of God and in the advancement of the faith. Less than 10 years later, another ship crossed the Atlantic, the Arbella. On that ship, the Puritan leader, John Winthrop, issued a prophetic vision of the new civilization he would help to plant. It would be, he said, a city on a hill. The eyes of the world would be upon it. And if it followed the ways of God, then God would bless it and make it the most prosperous, the most powerful, the most secure, the most exalted of civilizations. The blessings of ancient Israel would come upon it. Winthrop's vision would come true. Inasmuch as America strove to follow the ways of God and be a light to the world, it would be blessed. The city on a hill would become as Winthrop foretold the most prosperous, the most secure, the most powerful, revered nation on earth. America would seek to uphold the light of freedom and the sacred value of human life and conscience in the face of tyranny and totalitarianism. It would provide refuge for the world's oppressed 
an opportunity for the world's impoverished. It would stand against the dark powers that threatened to engulf the earth of the 20th century. The city on the hill would be lifted up and feared and envied and, and emulated and dreamed of and hoped in and looked to by peoples in every nation and land. That the eyes of the world would be upon it. But Winthrop's vision didn't end there. It led to a prophetic warning. If, he wrote, the city on the hill should turn away from the God of its foundation, then the judgments that fell upon Israel would likewise fall upon it. And what was it that happened to ancient Israel? In the midst of its blessings, the nation turned from God, the God of its foundation. They estranged themselves from Him. At first it was a drift, then a departure, and finally a war against His ways. The people drove Him out of their hearts, out of their government, out of their ways and lives, out of their education of their children, out of the public square, out of their culture. And as Israel drove him out, the people, they opened up a vacuum. Into that vacuum came a flood of other gods. The gods of prosperity, of comfort, of desire, of carnality, sexual immorality, perversity and self-obsession. They became their own gods. They overturned his commandments. They disregarded his ways. They redefined truth. They created their own reality. What was evil they now called good and what was good they now called evil. That which they once revered, they now reviled. And that which was they once knew to be wrong, they now celebrated. They profaned the sacred and they sanctified the profane. And so the sanctity of life, they desecrated their children. Their most innocent possession, they now lifted up as sacrifices and shed their blood on the altars of their new gods. And so the blood of their children cried out against them and would call forth their judgment. And it was over that valley where they had sacrificed their children that the prophet Jeremiah stood with a potter's jar in his hand to pronounce his nation's judgment. What about America? America has likewise fallen. In the midst of our blessings and prosperity, we too have turned away from the God of our foundation. We've estranged ourselves from him. And our falling away came the same way, first as a drift, then a departure, and now a war against His ways. We drove God, we drove God out of our hearts, out of our government, out of our ways, out of our laws, out of the education of our children, out of the public squares, out of our businesses, out of our media, out of our culture, out of our lives. And as we drove Him out, we opened up a vacuum into which came a flood of other gods. We would not call them gods, but gods they were. Gods of prosperity and comfort and desire and carnality and sexual immorality and self-obsession. And we too have become our own gods. We have overturned the commandments of God. We removed them from the walls of our public square. We redefined truth. We created our own reality. What is evil? we now call good, and what is good, we now call evil. What we once revered, we now revile, and what we once knew to be wrong, we now celebrate. We too have profaned the sacred and have sanctified the profane. And as for our children, our most innocent possession, we have sacrificed them on the altars of self-indulgence. It was here, in this city, over there, it was here that their collective murder was blessed and given sanction. 
but a thousand laws and a thousand Supreme Court rulings and a thousand angels swearing on a thousand Bibles cannot alter one iota of this basic measure of morality. To shed the blood of an unborn baby is to murder a human life. And the most innocent of human lives. The people of ancient Israel lifted up thousands of their children on the altars of Baal and Moloch. And by doing so, they invoked their own destruction. But we have lifted up millions. And our collective hands are covered with blood. And what does that invoke? 60 million Americans have been murdered. And instead of weeping over that fact, we go still farther. It was less than two years ago that in the nation's abortion capital, New York, that, that gruesome law was passed to push the boundaries even farther to murder the unborn child to the point of birth. And when they passed that bloody law, they cheered and they lit up the tower at ground zero in the color pink in celebration. The city on the hill has grown dark. Its light has dimmed and is in danger of going out. It has now been overtaken by a plague that has left it shaken, a lockdown that has battered its economy and paralyzed its daily life, and the sword of disorder and violence that has set it on edge and divided it in two. It's an America that has declared war against its own foundation, a nation its founders would not recognize. An America in which the statue of one of its founders, its first president, after which this city is named, is pulled off its pedestal, wrapped in an American flag, and set on fire. And yet it was that same first president who on the first day of his presidency gave the nation a prophetic warning. He said this, the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself has ordained. In other words, if America should ever disregard God's eternal rules of order and right, then the smiles of heaven, his blessings, will be removed from this land. And now we have disregarded those eternal rules of order. We war against the order and the nature of man and woman, of gender, of marriage, of life. And we now watch as the smiles of heaven are being removed from the land. We indoctrinate our children against the ways of God. We perform surgery on their bodies to alter their very nature. Are we not doing what the scriptures warned us never to do, to cause these little ones to stumble? And will not the smiles of heaven be removed from the land? We watch as the American flag lies burning in our streets while another flag, that of the rainbow, is lifted up and celebrated as an emblem of pride. But the rainbow does not belong to man, the rainbow belongs to God. And it was not given as an emblem to the pride of man, it was given as a sign of the mercy of God. A mercy given in the face of judgment. But if we turn that sign of mercy against the one who gave it, then when the days of judgment come, what mercy will be left? The Word of God stands against all hatred, all oppression, and all injustice against any person, people, nation, color, race, or group. And if you say Black Lives Matter, we agree, surely they do. But how do you say Black Lives Matter and say nothing? 
of all the black lives killed in this land before they could even breathe their first breath. How could you be silent before the shed blood of millions of black sons and daughters? How do you not protest all the abortion clinics strategically placed in black neighborhoods for the purpose of destroying black lives? None of these ones can speak the words black lives matter because their lives did not. But if they could, if they could speak, they would ask why did our black lives not matter? It is for such things that judgment falls on a nation. How then does it fall? The Bible gives a very clear template. Years before that judgment, years before that destruction, it's the nation's hedge of protection is lifted. An enemy is allowed to strike the land. It's a wake-up call, it's a warning, a calling back from God. On September 11, 2001, America's hedge of protection was removed and enemies struck the land and the nation was shaken. The man who warned America of the calamity that would come if it ever turned away from God, John Winthrop, ended up living, dwelling on an island. The ground of Winthrop's island became the ground of Logan Airport. Logan Airport is the very place from which 9-11 would begin and the calamity would fall on America. In the last days of ancient Israel, nine harbingers, nine signs of warning, of coming judgment appeared in the land beginning with that first strike. And it was there, I was standing at the corner of Ground Zero when I noticed an object. It was one of the nine harbingers that appeared in the last days of ancient Israel. It was the beginning of an ancient mystery that would reveal that all the nine harbingers of judgment have appeared in America that appeared in the last days of ancient Israel. The destruction returned to the very ground on which the nation had been committed to God in prayer. The nation's ground of consecration would become its ground of calamity. America was consecrated to God in prayer the day of George Washington's inauguration, the first day as a constituted nation. If we could find out where that took place, we would be able to pinpoint America's consecration ground. It happened in New York City. America was consecrated to God at Ground Zero. Ground Zero is America's consecration ground. The ancient biblical mystery, the calamity returns to the ground of consecration. And on 9-11, a shockwave went forth from Ground Zero and it struck and it cracked the foundation of the very place where George Washington stood when he gave the nation that prophetic warning, the warning of what would happen if we should ever turn away from God. And the smiles of heaven were removed from the land. In the days after 9-11, Americans flocked to their houses of worship and said, God bless America. And it looked as if there could be a spiritual revival, but the revival never came because there was no repentance, no turning, no return. And without repentance, there can be no revival. When that first strike that attack of the enemy came upon ancient Israel. The nation's leaders responded not with repentance but proclaiming a vow of defiance. That vow would seal the nation's course to judgment. When 9-11 came to America, the United States Congress gathered the next day right there on Capitol Hill to issue the nation's response. The Senate Majority Leader was appointed to present it at the pinnacle of a speech he uttered the words of the ancient vow of defiance, the same words that have been spoken by the leaders of ancient Israel in its last days 
word for word. He had no idea what he was doing, but he was sealing the nation's course to judgment. And from that moment on, America has been following the footsteps of ancient Israel in its last days as a nation, departing ever farther, descending ever further from the ways of God. In our nation's capital where its future is determined, and we cry out, Supreme Court justices, you open up your sessions with the word, God save this Supreme Court. But if you overrule the rulings of God, if you judge the judgments of God, if you strike down the eternal precepts of God, then how can God save your courts? Know then there stands a court that is much higher, and there sits a judge who is much more supreme. And before his judgment, all judges will stand and give account. Members of Congress, leaders of the land, you sing, God bless America. But if you forge and execute laws that disregard the laws of heaven, and war against them, then how can God bless America? Know then there is a greater magistrate and a higher lawgiver, and his laws are eternal, and by them all rulers and lawgivers will be judged. Pastors, ministers, spiritual leaders, shepherds of the land, you stand as representatives of God, but if you dilute his word, if you compromise it, alter it, turn it in against itself, if you consecrate sin and bless what God has judged, if you sanctify the darkness, then will you not be held accountable for the sheep you have misled? There is a great shepherd, and before him all shepherds will stand, and by his word will be judged. Two and a half thousand years ago, the prophet Jeremiah stood with a potter's jar in the capital city of his nation. The jar, a symbol of that nation formed by God's hand, molded for his purpose and appointed as his vessel. But the nation had forgotten those purposes and now warred against them. How then could it stand? 400 years ago, today, the Mayflowers sailed through the waters of the Atlantic and a new civilization was brought into being and formed as a consecrated vessel for the purposes of the Almighty. But that vessel, America, has also forgotten the purpose for which it was formed and now wages war against them. How then can it stand? And how can God bless a nation that wars against His ways, that blasphemes His name, that silences His word and vilifies those who uphold it, that sheds the blood of over 60 million of its children? Can the smiles of, a, of heaven remain upon it? They cannot. Such things only lead to judgment. God told the prophet Jeremiah, take that vessel and show it before the people. And then... <laughs> smash the vessel. For if a nation's course remains unchanged, so too will its end. For a house divided, a house that wars against its own foundation, cannot remain standing. And that is why we have come to this ground on the 26th day of September 2020 and have gathered all over America and the world because the hour is late and the moment is critical. We've come here to stand before God to intercede for this nation as never before and seek His mercy as never before. 
We have come here because God has given this promise. Yet still, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And it's repentance that brings revival. Let's come before God. Lord, we come before you and Lord, we ask, have mercy on this land. Lord, we have sinned mightily. We have done all, we have blasphemed your name and your ways, Father, and there's blood on our hands. Lord, we ask, nevertheless, you're the God of mercy. You're the God of great mercy, and your mercy is greater than our sins. And Lord, we, even we as your people have not been the light we were supposed to be. So Father, Lord, for whatever that is, we repent, and we repent on behalf of America and the nations. Lord, have your way. Lord, we just ask anything in our life that has to go, Lord, we repent of it now. We repent of it now. Lord, and Lord, we ask and we intercede, Father, let your spirit again come upon this land. Whatever it takes, let there be revival. Let there be salvation. Lord, let your power be poured out. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Father. In the name above every name, the name of Messiah Jesus, Yeshua, the Lord of all, in his name. And I say, amen. Oh. Folks, we've been listening. We've been listening to the voice of Jonathan Kahn, who delivered that address in Washington, D.C., when tens upon tens upon tens of thousands of American citizens had gathered, and yet the media ignored it. Uh, Rich, before we get through here, he mentioned President George Washington. I want the folks to know this. I'm quoting directly from him. I'm reading it right now, where President George Washington said, It is impossible to rightly govern without God and the Bible. Here's a quote from President Abraham Lincoln. He said, But for the Bible, we could not know right from wrong. All things most desirable for man's welfare are to be found portrayed in it. Rich, when will the people in America, the pastors, it's the sin of silence in our pulpits that cause people to think it's okay not to worry about it. What say you, quick? Well, this is just a small taste of what took place all day, a week ago Saturday, in our nation's capital. So that's what gives me hope. Let me give the listener comment line, 1-800-345-2621, 800-345-2621. All right, this has been the complete story from uh, Dick Bott and my son, Rich. Uh, For your edification, for your benefit, folks, I'll see you later next week. 